Welcome to The 8 Billion Project, where we're on a mission to make an impact by discovering and sharing the purpose of every person on this planet. I'm your host, Lisa Florida. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The 8 Billion Podcast. I am your host, Lisa Florida, and today I've got an extra special guest, Joshua Thompson. Joshua Thompson is a pianist, a social musicologist, Mm teaching artist and producer. He is increasingly recognized on a national scale for his expertise on classical composers of African descent and the inherent cultural connectivity in the broader aesthetic of black arts movements. As the 2020 Beckman Emerging Artist Fellow of the Arts Council of Indianapolis, he successfully completed his residence at the African Africana. Yes. Study Center for Music and Society at the Berkeley School of Music in Boston. In October 2019, he was a featured presenter for the popular TEDx talk series. His creative output continued in 2020 with his inspired podcast series, Melanated Moments in Classical Music, from Classical Music Indie with his co-host, Angela Brown, originating from his hometown of Indianapolis. In 2021, Thompson began a music education partnership with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra and Indianapolis Symphonic Choir to ensure comprehensive music education and programming is built into the overall structure and curriculum of Indy's premier performing arts group. Welcome, Joshua Thompson, (laughs) for being with me here all the way from Indianapolis. Yeah, it was a fun trip to take, and I'm super (laughs) glad to be here and been... uh, really excited to meet you in person and do the things on 8 billion so thanks for having me oh no it is such a pleasure all my pleasure for having you you are (laughs) such an amazing soul thank you oh it's just been an amazing uh experience even to you know have you pick you up from la to get to this studio so we could record this. and so gracious because there was one (laughs) thing i really did not want to do i was like i don't think I can hack it driving anywhere in LA County or in Orange County. So thank you for that because me behind the wheel in a big city <laughs> is not what anybody wants, including me. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was telling Carrie that on the way to picking you up, I said, this is why I live in Orange County and not in LA. Nothing to the LA uh, residents for anyone in the audience because LA is amazing. But for me, yes, to try and get through all of that traffic, and it is, it's back like it, it was, Oh, you know. absolutely. It takes a special skill. I'm not knocking the, the drivers of LA. Like, I can't do it. You're better than me because yeah. <laughs> it's just too much. I can't we were it. good. It was amazing, though, during, uh, you know, of course, the pandemic. Not that the pandemic was amazing, but, you know, traffic, of course, died down so much. So it's it was. Back. It, yeah, and it's back. <laughs> it's back and better than ever. Yes it, is. yes, it is. So you are definitely someone very unique to the 8 billion family. You are my first. I. Well, not my first musician, but my first classical pianist. So someone always has to be a first, and I guess I can be that. So awesome. (laughs) Good. Good to hear. Good, good, good. (laughs) Well, so tell me first, how did you get into classical music? I started uh, formally taking piano when I was five years old. But a couple years before that, I was maybe two or three years old. Um, I loved Saturday morning cartoons. So Tom and Jerry and Mighty Mouse and Bugs Bunny, those were my go-tos. And I always remember waking up in the morning and being like six inches away from the TV, (laughs) watching these cartoons. 
And I remember just hearing the music in the background and just kind of being like, man, what is that? It sounds so quick. And it's aligned with these funny cartoon animated stories. And it just drew me in. So yeah, I'm watching the cartoons, but my ears and my attention were just drawn into the music behind it. And I was like, what is that? And how do I get to do it? And, uh, you know, several decades later, here we are, but that's where it started, cartoons. And it really started that way. Really, cartoons? Cartoons. Wow. It was exposure to, you know, I didn't know it, but I'm listening to, you know, The Marriage of Figaro, or I'm listening to Wagner's, you know, Rite of the Valkyries. But this is all standard classical music, but it's just juxtaposed with something a little bit more light. And I think that's a wonderful way to package things that we may feel are above our head. Because classical music is still just classical music. If it works for cartoons, it'll work for you. Wow. That's what I think. (laughs) Oh my God. So you started at the age of five. Started taking piano when I was five. And then when I was 10 years old, I picked up the study of classical trumpet. So I play both. And it's just legitimately has been the, it's my lifelong passion. It is. It remains to be. It always has been. Now, that passion sometimes does this. Right. It's not a linear thing. Yeah, we have talked about it. But I've always loved it. I love all different types of music, but classical music has always been my favorite genre out of all of them. It has been. Yeah, right? always. Yes, I was just going to say that whole genre, right? It's just fabulous. And so currently, you what you do is you are a classical pianist, mm-hmm. but you also go around the nation and you speak at different colleges. Is that correct? I do. Or that's the that's the trajectory. That's where we're headed to do this. Uh, so there's the playing, and I program this music, um, but not what we consider standard repertoire, right? Okay. Um, Everything that I research, program, and perform were written by composers of the African diaspora. Okay. So there's so much literature that's out there, and we don't really see it programmed. We don't hear it played all that often. And it's for the same reasons why, you know, black people uh, particularly, and uh, other people of color and women, why we see certain folks being excluded in the arts, whether it be literature, whether it be, right? We have these social systems that love to exclude people. But they still wrote this fantastic literature. And after about 25 years of playing Bach and Brahms and Beethoven and Chopin and Ravel, and I love them, I was always looking for myself. Yeah. And I never saw myself anywhere in the music. I wasn't being it, giving it to, uh, to play. Okay. Wasn't playing it myself, but I'm like, okay, you're an adult. Google's for everyone. So look it up. And I did. And that's just what started all of this. So when I'm not programming that, I do give uh, lectures and and kind of nice little musical lectures, so it's not musical boring. Lectures. At universities, um, in the community, um, you name it, pretty much anywhere, you know, with the chamber orchestra and 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 anywhere that will have me, that's really interested in learning about the the personal lives of these folks, right? And listening to this gorgeous music that has been totally there for all of us the entire time. And so it breathes new life and energy for me. But it also kind of has that aha eureka moment for audience members to be like, wow, I didn't know there were composers of African descent. Or it's another window and a door into music to community to history to all that type of stuff so so you okay, so you said you googled it. Uh, So what age were you when you did that? I mean, I, um, mm, I was like 35. Oh, okay. so this is recent. It is recent. I've played my entire life, but doing this professionally on this level and on this scale has been very, very recent for me. Yeah. So in colleges, there's no classes that have 
the specific area that you you, you talk know, about or most students who are going to a school of music uh-huh. who want to be professional you know whatever it is right but especially for classical music they're going to train you for the repertoire that any major symphony orchestra is going to want you to play correct and it is all wildly monochromatic okay and so perhaps there isn't the impetus to intentionally teach this as a part of curriculum because they think well if that's not what the standard is why are we going to teach atypical things fortunately that is starting to change mm-hmm. um even incremental progress is progress, right? Yes. So we have to give credit we'll where credit's it. due we'll for that. It. We will. I totally will, right? Um, but that's kind of starting to change. Um, we've 2020 was a year for everybody, right? To remind us of how to take care of each other, whether it be the mm-hmm. pandemic, how to learn to take better care of each other when it comes to recognizing, understanding, and doing something about racial disparities. So the timing is absolutely perfect for this. Yes. And music is always a wonderful... Um, translator for that yes sometimes it will put the sugar on the bitter pill sometimes it's the pill itself ah. uh, and so yeah timing just works right <laughs> timing just works for it yeah no i was just gonna say that right yes um okay because i off the top of my head i was thinking of two questions but let's start with this when you're what artist would you say that has been most like say for instance you talk about the most or has been most mm. interesting and unique to yes. you Without a doubt, hands down, a fabulous gentleman by the name of William Grant Still. He's often called the Dean of Classical Music for Black Folks. He was born in Mississippi in 1898 and then died in 1975, I believe. And um, his catalog is ridiculous. He has well over 100 compositions in for solo piano, for voice, for entire symphony orchestras, chamber groups, operas, ballets, you name it. The guy's got everything. I really identify with the man. I understand his patterns as a composer because okay. um, I've played a lot of it, but reading his biographical life, some of his inspirations, why he made these compositions, or just the life that he led and the path he forged in classical music, I really identify with. He's very um, spiritual, meets religiously based, but has a very cosmic and meta Ooh, way of doing it right i like the manner me too and so i can just i can just really tap <laughs> into this guy um and i find it to be i relate to him very much so and so i really feel like my journey and my story mm-hmm. is not necessarily my own uniquely perhaps um it's been done before yes i honestly think it has been but i'm just kind of continuing whoever had this path i'm continuing where they left off and so that's how i really relate to william grant still um wow more so than probably any other composer thus far um, that I've really spent a lot of time researching and playing. Um, yeah. And I've done a lot of that. <laughs> so in your in the uh, talks that you actually do across, whether it's education or you, you do that, you know, private or... Right. Um, do you play any of his music? Absolutely. That's kind of my whole thing. I'm a, I give people a musical TED Talk, okay. so to speak. Ah. So rather than just talking at people, because words only do so much, these pieces are actual blueprints and the musical soundtrack for a migration of people, for folks in space and time, whether mm-hmm. we're talking about race or not. Yes. His, his pieces really lend themselves very well to do that. And so it becomes very easy for me to tell a story okay. that weaves together biography, history, social movements, and the whole time you're entertained, but you're getting a music education course, but you don't feel like you're being talked at you're a part of this immersive experience and story and it really seems to resonate very very well with audiences it's a lot of fun okay and how long have you been doing that now 
2018 was when I premiered my very first artistic production. And, um, but I was doing research and preparation for that a couple years before then. So it's really just been a trajectory yes, of right? my whole life. Because before doing this, I was, uh, I worked a lot in mental health with okay. the really mentally ill and did a lot of research with HIV and AIDS. Really? That's Those are two things that, you know, they're affecting the communities that I'm a part of, okay. black communities and gay communities, um, LGBTQI. And so I would look at the service provision I was doing in social work. I'm doing the exact same thing as a performer. I'm providing a unit of service, taking care of identifying and addressing a need of my community mm-hmm. within my power um, or abilities, satisfying that need taking care of that need in a certain way, right? The arts are very good for that. So I haven't really changed up how I view what I do. The medium is just different. I use a piano to do that these days. And you also, you were in social, you were in social services prior to- For a long time. And I really enjoyed it. People are just people, right? Um, And music is a wonderful, like I said, a wonderful translator or a way to connect people and communities. Wow, I did not. And that is not in your bio. It is bio, not. Well, listen, Joshua. that was a long bio anyway. I had to leave some of it out. I'm That's so why. glad that I asked. I remember when I said, I said, when you did you start all this research, right? Very, See? very recent. Very recent. Wow. Yeah. I don't have a music degree. I went to, to college for a, I went as a trumpet performance and English literature double major. And I left my undergrad university with a degree in sociology. So hence the music sociologist. I'm taking is now going now traveling the country. There it is. So yeah, so between liberal arts and humanities and the arts, it all fits together. You just have to be patient um, and let life tell you how the pieces fit together. Wow, that see, we that's what we said, right? Like the journey is always around. And what was really neat too, especially around the pandemic. Well, I was going through my spiritual waking last year. And then I was just telling everyone, you know, this is the time. And I had no clue what the pandemic was going to do. I was like, you know, it's a time to live from creativity and start using it. And you're a perfect example. Although you, yes. you it didn't take the pandemic for you, right? Well, no, I think, but the pandemic for everyone made things a little bit more immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no getting around it, right? Yes. The, the, what we knew and how we did what we did as far as work or just whatever else totally got disrupted. Yes. And so creativity, absolutely. But I think for me personally, um, creativity is a necessity. You know, some of these projects I've had coming out during the pandemic and since then, yes, they were fun and I enjoyed it, but that was survival. Mm-hmm. I had to, excuse me, had to make a living, um, had to figure out how I'm still going to do this work and just navigate and pivot a little bit differently, which everyone is tired of hearing, right? But yeah. but that was out of necessity. Yes. Didn't have a choice because it was, you still have to make ends meet. The work is still there to be done. Just figure out how to still do it. It's just gonna look differently. Like one of my good friends said, every day we have a standing invitation to live differently. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. That's how I, I really took that to heart. No. And yeah. that's what I was just going to say, though, because that becomes a lot of my big questions. You know, how did the pandemic change you, especially for someone coming from, you know, a perspective of performance, right? right. Because that's right. what you, it was your job, you know, or like your work that you did. How did you pivot then during the pandemic? So much like everyone else, 2020 just was like, bam, 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 and would not let up. 
Um, or first you freak out, right? Well, you or always you do that. <laughs> I, was, I was in Boston in March. This is right before a shutdown happens everywhere. Um, doing my, my residency with uh, Dr. Bill Banfield, genius man, at the uh, um, Africana Studies uh, Center for, for Music and Society at Berkeley. And come back home, getting on the plane, and every contract I had lined up or every gig I had lined up for the year, like you're just watching it get wiped out. Oh my goodness. So you're like, oh. And at first it was the money, no, how am I gonna? But then it was like, but I really wanted to do that project, right? Yes, and so you missed that. And so that's an adjustment. And then um, I ended a, um, it was a 16 year relationship where I was married and so uh, got divorced and lost a really, really good friend of mine, childhood friend, and also like artistic collaborator, um, all within about four months of each other. Yeah. This was all in 2020 for yeah, you? Yeah, right. Um, but the face that was put out there and the work that was put out there was artistic oh. production. I turned my house into a music venue um, so I could perform and do those things. And it was, a, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But again, that was survival and necessity okay. um, for those. But could you actually, I do want to actually talk uh, uh, talk about that a little bit. Okay. Would you, yeah. would you mind sharing how Not creative you got? Because you okay. are very creative. So I did get creative. Okay. I will say that. I will say that. <laughs> so using the whole classical music um, think kind of as inspiration is back in the day. So think Mozart, think the uh, the Enlightenment period, 1700s, okay. early Take 1800s, right? So we're, we back there, girl, we back. Um, they would have salons and a salon would be like uh, a small gathering of people at a friend's house. Mozart used to throw these all the time, like little parties around the piano doing artistic things, right? Yes. Plays, and so that's what I did. Uh, my nickname or my stage name is de uh, derived from Scott Joplin, who was known as the father of ragtime, but also composed brilliant orchestral um, scores. Okay. And um, so I was like, hmm, I always wear socks when I play. I never wear my shoes. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure I come with like really colorful, let's, okay. <laughs> Are we gonna do I'm it? trying not to get a cramp when I do this. So <laughs> I always uh, I always have nice little fun, <laughs> colorful socks is what I do. And so my, my stage name is Sock Joplin. And so you're getting the Scott Joplin, but with the socks. And so it was the Salon series with Sock Joplin. And it became, um, I would have eight shows a month Okay. Limit 10 people all had to have masks and they would pay in advance. And I'd tell them <clears throat> where the venue was because it was my house. I was like, don't tell people where I live. <laughs> don't do that. I don't do pop-ups. Anyone who knows that at my house, you are always welcome. Call first. I will let you knock on the door. But you will stay right there. <laughs> do not pull up. So anyway, I would run them the address and I would put together like the shows we were talking about earlier, like that musical TED Talk, because that was going to give purpose to the practice I was doing. It's keeping my performance skills up. It's really harnessing and being a part of community when we needed it yes. so much, but we all had to keep each other safe. Okay. And um, and then the walls of my house, because visual artists were not able to work the way that they did, we would have guests, visual artists would hang their work and it became a rotating gallery. So every month the artwork would correspond with the show. And so that way you could buy the art off the wall so that way your your visual artist could make money. And I was able to do that as from, I want to say, uh, July okay. of last year through November. And it just was not safe. And I have an obligation to my community because my community has made my career. So right. I take care of them. And we just had to shut that down. And that was kind of heartbreaking too because I was like, do I have it in me oh. to figure out something else again? 
Because that was super crazy. Oh, it was fun. It was so much fun. And I, you know who I learned that from? I learned that from our darling soul, Carrie. So that's why I wanted <laughs> Good old to see <laughs> Carrie. actually sitting here. Yeah, she is. Uh, Carrie's a phenomenal person. Yes. Worked with her. I have a twin brother, identical twin. He's also a professional musician. He's a brilliant jazz saxophonist, band leader, composer, filmmaker. And um, Carrie has always been looking out for us, giving us really high profile gigs. And uh, I asked her or retained her uh, about a month ago or two months ago to be my publicist. She's like, I don't know if I'm right for it. I'm like, yes, you are. I just need you to do what you already do. Yes. And take this money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a great. And so the fact that you two yes. know each other are working together, it couldn't be smaller world. The older right? you get, um, those points of contact and touch points between cultures and people and regions right? of our country or the world become so much. The distance doesn't seem so yes. much. Or they, I love you, that. they call it like, what is it? Six degrees of separation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you really do realize it really is. So yeah, so I love it how when things come together for the greater good, because it so, always does. I just want to say thank you because of your, your creative talents, your ideas, and your ability to see so much talent in other people. Yeah. I too am being represented by Carrie Brantley. Yay! Get it, get it, get it. So this is, I, I love this. So this was <laughs> supposed to happen anyway, and I dig it. It was. And the concept for 8 billion, I, I identify with that very, very much. Um, right. Because you're right, there's so many of us and it can seem like we're insignificant or it's just so big, but a lot of times it is just taking that one story at a time and that's when you're figuring out all these common threads between peoples and trajectories and journeys and, and what their passions are, how people figure it out, because none of us have it figured out. Well, right? he, yes, exactly. And it's just having these conversations. Like I told you, if I didn't ask, well, when did you start doing that research? I wouldn't have never known that you were in social services there you prior go. to that. Yeah. But that makes you so unique. And it's well, it was fun. And there's always, again, social services, I think, is a, is a broad term. But even yeah. being a good neighbor, being a good yes. community member, a good citizen is that is community service. Absolutely. That is social service. Right. Um, you don't need a degree for that. No, you don't. You just have to be a good person. You have to be committed every day. Yes. To and being that cannot service. be taught at all. Yes. You either have it or you don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you have it. Well, thank you. You caught me on a very good day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're in California while you decided to have one of these good days. Absolutely. It was, it's always nice to get a little bit of a change up, uh, get a change of scenery. I love Indianapolis. Um, it's like that family member, great relationship. And sometimes you butt heads a little bit, but you always come back. Right. I feel very much like that with Indy. Um, yeah. There are days where I'm just like, I don't know if I can do it. And then there are other days where I'm just like, I love, I love being here. You know, but I'm sure that's anywhere, right? Yes. I'm sure it's anywhere. But this is my first time in LA and Irvine. LA proper. And, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I'm down for the experience. It's been it's been so much fun. The weather is you can't beat it. Yes. The burritos have been out of this world. Yes. And I'm I'm here for all of it. And we are, and we're gonna have Italian food after this. That's my favorite food. 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 And we're period. gonna go watch the sunset. Yes. As long as I get to put my my toes Toast. in the sand and in the ocean, that's what I came for. Right. So I'm gonna take that moment. So I, so yes. the sock joplin is actually gonna take off his sock. He will. Okay. He will. All right. No, they're gone, you know. Foot in the sand is more important than the yes, socks at this point. So we're going right. to do that. <laughs> we're going to experience life from all five senses. Yes, 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 yes. I'm excited. Well, this is another time you are on the opposite seat because you are the host of Melanated Moments. Would you mind sharing that with us? Absolutely. So it's wonderful to be a guest for a podcast and, and not have to co-host a podcast. So... <laughs> 
very much finding out how else can I be of service? How else can I take this passion that I have, uh, classical music in general, but really finding the empowerment and the knowledge and the strength behind focusing on diasporic masterworks yes. from composer of Agnes Descent. How can I make this bigger? Um, or, or have other people scratch that same spirit of inquiry that I had. And it came from a series of concerts that I would do at a, um, at a hospital in Indianapolis. It was okay. the Eskenazi Hospital. And they had a, a performer in residence series. And I won the, uh, or was awarded as a performer in residence. And with my programs, I would just talk to the audience because we all fully believe that music is, and there's evidence behind it, is a very important component in um, the healing process. Yes. Nobody likes to go to hospitals, right? Because they're a little bit down and can be depressing. And so they have it very much like it's an art gallery and they have you know live music to give some solace and some peace uh, for folks who are there because they come for, for many different reasons. Right. And so I would do expository and little vignettes in between uh, you know pieces. And um, the CEO of Classical Music India was like, hey, I could listen to you talk and play all day. And what would you think about doing a podcast about exactly what you do? I was like, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. I said, however, I insist on co-hosting this podcast. And my co-host is the incredible, international renowned operatic soprano, Angela Brown. Angela Brown is bad. She uh, made her Metropolitan debut, opera debut as Aida in 2004. <gasps> oh. She'd been everywhere. She has been everywhere and she's fantastic. And she and I get along very much like you and I do where we just have nice conversations. Yeah. And I knew that she'd be able to open up this repertoire even more than what I could because I don't know the operatic repertoire. I don't really know or didn't know the spiritual. So she's adding this element. She's got international recognition. Right. And so I knew she was going to be pulling in an audience that we really wanted. Yes. We want everyone around the world to know about this stuff. And we just bandy about and banter back and forth. We keep them real short. Yes, They're like 15 to 20 minutes. Because, right. Because sometimes people don't want to listen to <laughs> an hour's worth of, or they don't want to listen to a 20 minute, 27 minute concerto. So we break it down just to give you enough to be like, ooh, I want to hear more. And then the podcast episode is over. And guess what? Then just listen to another one. Right. And so we're, uh, we're going to start recording season three uh, when I get back in Indianapolis next week. And so I'm really excited about that. And she's fantastic. She's like my Auntie Angela. She's my musical mentor. She's my friend. She is really helping me level up. Mm -hmm. She's helping me um, embrace the opportunities that are coming because I've worked for them. And she's been down this road before. She's on a international level, and I'm not, and I'm a little bit intimidated sometimes. And yeah, and I right, and she just says, you know, <laughs> it ain't nothing but music, baby. And so she's this just is so just fun. Just the beginning, Joshua. I think sometimes right. is that not oh. overwhelming though? What? Oh yeah, like, just, kind of getting a glimpse of maybe what this is going to be. So for me, that's very overwhelming. Of course, of I'm just course a, I'm a regular dude. I'm a Midwestern guy. <laughs> And we tend to be very simple people. I don't mean that to be mean, but like steak potatoes and just run me that. Like we're we're not complicated. So yeah, I think sometimes between pinching myself and just being grateful and just reminding myself, like this is what you're you were put on this earth to do. Yeah. And so just do it. Right. And it all work out. 
Yeah, like so that's, who that's would have ever with. known? We're all just, that's what we were talking about, right? We're all just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, we detour here, whether, you know, we're completely doing something different pre-pandemic. We're right. all just trying to make it. And, we, you know, we just have to just be open to accepting holding space for everyone. Very much right? so. I, I'm usually not a churchgoer at all, but I was I was playing for a service a couple of weeks ago and the message was right on time. Mm-hmm. And it was... The gentleman was talking about um, some of these interruptions in life, right? Yeah. When you make plans and interruptions. And we work so hard to make the original plan still the plan when maybe the reason and what you should be doing is leaning into the disruption. Right. Hence the pandemic, hence whatever else. Disruptions are part of the plan sometimes. Right. And, no, it really right? is. And you yeah. lean into that a little bit and that's kind of what puts you on a different path or a different trajectory. And so I always try to be mindful of not trying to control things that are not in my control. I'm horrible at it, but I'm still working on not right. trying to control yeah. the things. The I'm re- horrible at it. So audience, if you're listening, <laughs> right, if you're not, of course, watching, uh, you know, you can hear my notes moving around. But I did want to share this message, sure. you know, with your, uh, it says, while the process of goal setting is critical, the older I get, the more I am learning to chart and emphasize the trajectory of my journey, as opposed to getting so hung up on reaching the final destination. I know just enough of what I'm doing to be effective and perhaps a little dangerous. <laughs> little, little is just a little dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fun part to me, knowing that I know just enough to wake up every day to stubbornly learn more. And that is life, right? As I know it. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, does that track with you? Does it that does. seem to be? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's what that's what we're saying. We just have to be present, enjoy the moment, enjoy the people that yeah. and the connections that we come across. Yeah. And just you know, not judge, and just know that we've all, we, you know, we're all just trying to make it. That's you know, I my upbringing was was incredible. Mm-hmm. My parents are. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm glad that they're still. Yeah. Still hi, here. mom and dad. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. Yeah, you brought some. Uh, so they don't have Facebook, but they can get on YouTube. <laughs> We've we've run that parental tutorial before, so they'll be able to see this one. <laughs> they'll be able to watch this one. Yes. Hi, mom and dad. They're they're wonderful people, wildly patient, and they really instilled in all three of their children um, very much some of the sentiments that you just uh, that you just read. Yeah, you've got like a great personality. I Thank can only you. Imagine what it was like for your mom and dad to raise you. <laughs> so I was the mouthy one. So I have an older sister, and uh, my brother and I are, are twins. I'm one minute older. And Jared never gives me yeah. my minute, but I want my minute. Um, <laughs> I Jessica was the, she's the oldest and she is uh, the only girl. So she's mom's best friend. She's daddy's little girl. She's like, we call her Oprah. Affectionately, oh, we call her Oprah. Because she's, it. she got it together. Jared would play peacemaker and I and was definitely <laughs> the mouthy, talk back, always asking why. I, that was me. Right? <laughs> that was me. So, and it's strange because... Uh, I guess we're fortunate to to be fairly charismatic, but if you ask my my family and my close friends and probably my therapist, Mm -hmm. I'm a really serious person. You are? Very much so. Um, Very brooding and I think a lot and just, I'm very serious. Okay. And so- I'm out convince me. Just kidding. Oh, well, Well. I'm out convince me. But yeah, I mean, I just, I I think a lot. Um, I know you do, that's for sure. Yeah. And, And so I think that's part of it. And so between, you know, having the fun socks, and really being discerning about having the type of people I do around me is a wonderful, if not buffer, it's a counterbalance to, sometimes it gets real, if not dark, it just gets real heavy up here. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you're here to go around this world once. 
may not be a long time, but just go have some fun and stop taking yourself so seriously. So I I, I wrestle with that a lot. Well, no, we bit. had this conversation when we when we met and we had you know we got to meet each other prior right. to this, right. and you were talking about that with the classical artists, right? That there is a lot of pressure amongst you guys. Uh, is there a lot of depression in that? In absolutely yes. Yes. I I, I can't even. Fake the funk on that. Um, okay. Broadly speaking, for artists in general, yes, um, which is somewhat, somewhat the the stereotype and the cliche, but uh -huh. they are those things because there's a huge element of truth to it. Specifically in classical, genre? I would say so. You know, the standards are so high. Everyone cannot play in a symphony orchestra, right? There's yes. only so many spaces, but that also doesn't mean that you're trash. But we are groomed and raised and taught that you have to be number one. You have to be flawless and perfect, and anything less than that is not good enough. So yeah, it's hard to clap for yourself sometimes. It's really hard to be proud of yourself sometimes. And no one can live like that, right? We have to be validated and it just, it takes me a little bit longer to validate myself mm -hmm. um, because you know how high the stakes are. And it's right. a very serious cutthroat, sometimes unforgiving and just mean because it's an industry, it's a business at the end of the day. Somebody's right. making money off of it. But you were saying that more in the recent times, you guys are learning to be a little bit more authentic outwardly and like more in public, right? Because I'm yeah. sure you have to have like this, right? Like you have to present yourself because you guys are all amazing and brilliant artists, right? They, I think anyone who has the guts to lay <laughs> like themselves bare like right? that. Like, oh, I sucked it Yeah, but, but whether <laughs> I like it or not, I can respect the the time that goes into it, the sincerity, like, like again, whether I like it or not, is who cares? Yeah. But anyone who's willing to be that dedicated and very vulnerable and say something of in that course. manner has my undying respect. Um, what I do like, and this is my experience, um, limited but expanding, is there's the classical music institution. So think of your symphony centers and all that. So there's that industry. There's that. There's a culture. There's a society in that. And then there's the people who contribute to it. Right. The musicians. We all are rather nice to each other. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen right. a lot of people not just making the effort, but actually being that. Pulling back the curtain and showing practices where we mess up. Encouraging wow. each other virtually or in person. Just, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because we know everybody else is going to beat you up. But right. I thought you're dope. And you don't right. have to. Perfection's boring. Yes. It's boring. It is. Like, why? And so I, that's what I do like. There's, again, that counterbalance to something that can be, for many, so unforgiving. And then the community of you all who actually are doing it, being very welcoming and forgiving people. Right. So well, that see, helps. Actually, I didn't know if I was going to bring it up, right? But we were talking about before this it. before. When you say perfection is boring. So, guys, I just want to let you guys know that I, you guys might not be able to see, but for this whole week or last week, I actually went to the dog park. Mm -hmm. I did want to say that. So, and I was chasing after my sister's dog. I've been watching him for about a month and he's still a little puppy, although he's almost two, but he's <laughs> he's a French bulldog. Oh. And he was <laughs> running across the field and chasing a kid. But of course I didn't want him to like jump on him and start biting him, but so, Fortunately, I ended up, um, the mom ended up pulling him off. And as I was I was getting him and putting him on the leash, he took off again and he took my arm with him and I fell straight on my face. So what you guys can't see is I have a cut on top of my lip and then my nose is a little sore. And for a week or a week and a <laughs> half, I've been trying to hide it on like social Stressing media. Stressing over it, I'm sure, yes. right? And yeah. I said, 
Evett because mm-hmm. I did did actually do one podcast in between, but he didn't, you know, he didn't say anything. So Ryan Force, if you're ever watching this, I did that podcast <laughs> and I had to cut on my lip. But now that's what we're saying. We're like we're here to just authentically and genuinely be us, and and Absolutely. that means if. There's blemishes on the face or your nose. It makes nose for a wonderful a story. Yeah, yes. it makes for a good story, right? Yes, and I didn't know if I was going to actually bring it up, but you're perfect. Yeah. You're like perfectionist. You know, this is how we work. I set them up, you knock them down. <laughs> That's what we do. It's your show. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> Always. Always. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But yes. Okay. For anyone that's listening in the audience, you guys won't be able to see. But of course, earlier when you were talking about you were known as the sock chocolate. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Get out of here. Are you serious? I do. No way. Thanks oh, to okay. Miss, so, to our lovely Miss Carrie Whaley. Thank you in advance. As, as I... <laughs> open this i will say uh and i do want everyone to know so if you are listening in the audience now you have to tune in on youtube to actually watch this visually so also please like share and subscribe while you're at it <laughs> do that do that i have been so since i've started you know publicly for performing again um and i always do the spiel about why i'm not wearing shoes and what my socks are um i haven't bought my own pair of socks in over three years because in lieu of flowers or whatever else or when people are thinking of they just get me socks yes so I love it so oh my gosh the so, 8 billion gets to be added so, to, to the collection so Listen, I hope I'm in a, yes. I hope you will always think of of course 8 billion myself and Miss Carrie Brantley because if it weren't for Carrie I wouldn't know a lot of these things but Joshua, I think we are going to be doing a lot of things together if not like maybe traveling the world one day I'm here for it <laughs> And these, so, I can't wait for this. Because for me, I always like, they have to be loud. They have right? to be obnoxious, a- but in a fun way. And so, um, oh, absolutely. We have giant pink flamingo. Giant pink flamingo. With a bottle of beer and a lime in it. And if you know me, listen, these socks are about to get a lot of play. Right. They're about to get a lot of play. And I can't wait to schedule and pick them out. I have so much fun deciding which pairs of socks to wear before a performance. <laughs> It is and like one of my most famous. And now I have three. This is And this phenomenal. one too. So guys, if you are watching, this is uh, a surfboard and one of the lifeguard stations. So I thought this is perfect And for calling California. the beach. Yes. yes. And calling of the beach. Thank yes. you so much. This is fantastic. So, compliments up. Who knew I would come here and get socks. three new pairs of socks. <laughs> I'm so glad I did. Like I legitimately. Socks. Thank you. And my sock game is fierce and I love it. <laughs> And compliments to you. Well, it much, just got fiercer. So thank well, you. Well, much love on your journey. You're an amazing man and human being, talented. Thank you. By by leaps and bounds. Thank right? you. Now, if anyone would like to get a hold of you, follow you on social media, right. or you know, kind of see where you're performing, what would be the best way to get a hold of it's you? Like, so how do we do this? How yeah, do I how figure do do out? This? Well, um, so on Facebook, I'm under Joshua Allen. So that's A L L E N. That's my okay. middle name. Um, this was back when I didn't know if I wanted to be on Facebook and I'm like I'll use my middle name so that way people can't find me and I'm just like well that backfired well yeah I think they all found you (laughs) so and then on Instagram I am Sock Joplin Um, and then another way wait Sock Joplin how do you spell at S-O-C-K it is at S-O-C-K J-O-P L-I-N okay Sock Joplin Um, and then if you are 
interested or like, hmm, I've never even heard of classical music by black folks, or what is this all about? Go to Melanated Moments and Classical Music wherever you get your podcasts. So really, on all platforms, on all Please. platforms, and so um, we believe, I think, um, that season three will um, debut. I think in in mid to late August. Okay, um, and we're just so excited. It has yes. been passion projects are awesome when you just wake up doing what you're supposed to do and things just come out of nowhere. Amen. I'm just like, this is what I do. Amen. And this is what I do. Amen. And I'm so grateful and I love it. And I'm really excited about getting Italian dinner with you today. Yes. <laughs> I can't I wait. This has been absolutely amazing. And for anyone that's listening, um, I will put all of the links at the bottom of the description box in YouTube and of course on Apple, Spotify and all of the audio platforms Excellent. that I am on. Thank you I for wish sharing I had a piano. I really your, do. I'm glad you don't because <laughs> I came to be on vacation and I was like, there's okay. not a piano in sight. This is me learning how to take a break. Okay. Yes. And, so and, you, you. and this is so well deserved. Thank you. So well deserved. And thank you for sharing your platform with me. Absolutely. I absolutely dig the purpose and the mission behind it and you were knocking it out of the park. So run them bases, girl. This show slaps. <laughs> I love it. And amen to actually following your passion, right? Because I, I said it too. Last October, I said, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And I met a gentleman, a friend of mine now, Mark Ledlow, if you're watching this, thank you so much because I wouldn't be inside this studio within a week or two and have started the 8 Billion Podcast. So, oh, wow. so much and for it just lines up real yeah. quick, doesn't it? It does, right? When, I love it. When people follow their passion and creativity. Love so, it. Absolutely. Thank you again. This has been so much fun. No, absolutely. So much Thank fun. you from the bottom of my heart. So hopefully I will have you back on again. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe with a piano. Yes. And I tell you what, whenever you're in Indy, we shall play host. And awesome. there will be pianos in Indy. So, yeah. There's, well, there's I might, that. you know, I just might see if I can cut some of your music and then maybe play it at the end of yeah, this, right? That'll be absolutely. Yeah, or a clip from one of your performances. I would be happy to give you all of that. I will kitchen sink you, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank, thank you to you. the audience Appreciate for it. tuning thank in you. to this week's everywhere. episode of 8 Billion. And we will catch you on the next one. Actually, I don't know. This might be my season closer. So we'll, we will see. If not, I will catch you on season four. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If it's moved you in any way, please review and share your thoughts or text me your thoughts at 949-247-2800.